welcome to another episode of the Performance Podcast. Today I am joined by Mike Kirby, who you will remember from the first episode. Um, and then today we are <laughs> we are so lucky to have Eve Rodriguez, who is our newest hire. Um, we hired him two days before uh, quarantine, um, and he rode the ship and is such a big help. And we've got him in here because he's probably got more knowledge on some of this stuff than I can definitely say myself. Um, so thank you guys for both being here this morning. Um, this morning I called today Quarantine Questions with Mike. Now it's Quarantine Questions with Mike and Eve. Um, so I want to kind of run through a list of questions that I think a lot of business owners, the average American, are asking um, in regards to COVID-19, the financial impact, and the things that our country has taken um, a stance on in the last few months. So if we look back at this, I want to first ask you, Mike, being the oldest man in the room, in your lifetime, have you seen anything like this? It might not be a pandemic, but anything close to this in the sense of like fear? Um, yeah. I mean, if, if you want to take and apply fear to the market, if you want to apply fear to uh, overall day-to-day -day living, Hell, you could go all the way back to, and I was born in 1963, and remember on the black and white TV watching live Vietnam reports. So you go Vietnam, uh, there was tremendous fear throughout the country. Um, if you go to political uprisings, whether that was uh, social injustice in the 60s and then in the 70s, uh, you had Jimmy Carter's economic ridiculous mess, uh, so you had fear then. And then you go into the 80s um, and the 90s and how many bubbles burst and yeah. uh, lots of things. But while those fears existed, the old, you know, where there's crisis, there's opportunity, um, you know, that still exists today. As far as a pandemic, I've never seen anything globally quite like this. Um, no one has. I mean, mm -hmm. they'd, they'd be fooled to say they have. Yeah. I've never seen government shut down absolutely everything. Yeah. Now, I think we're a lot smarter three months from now, four months or four four months later than we were uh, in the, at the end of January, beginning of February, because people were. Of course, the news media loves to scare the living shit out of everybody and say everybody's going to die. And if you follow the money, um, some of those assholes were very easy to identify. Uh, they were making money by shorting stocks at the time. Um, you know, Hilton uh, is one of those that you watched, and there are money managers who literally love to spread fear because they're shorting the stock all the way down. Yeah. And then they start buying it back up. Um, it's not illegal. I think it should be, but it's not illegal. Uh, but yeah, fear spreads much more rapidly than positive, hey, the world's sunshine and roses. So, no, I haven't seen anything like a pandemic. But yeah, we've lived through so many ups and downs. And we will again. I mean, this is just a, a lesson to be learned. Uh, I think the number one lesson the United States has probably, I hope, going to learn is that it is truly a homeland security, it's a national security issue on how many products uh, ranging from pharmaceuticals 
to uh, medical supplies were actually manufactured in literally our number one competitor, if not our global enemy when it comes to economics, China. Yep. And so we are either going to learn from this or we're going to be, you know, uh, in the same situation going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And if you even take that large scale overall American fear and you kind of compress it down to local fear, um, I personally didn't leave the house for three months just with Casey being an ER nurse. I didn't want to, you know, you didn't know what you were bringing home in order to take back to your family. I wasn't able to see how much fear there was locally uh, within the, the, the local people or even small businesses. How many calls do you think you got right away? Well, it's how many calls? So let's, let's break this out. It literally was in the middle of tax season. Yeah. So you went from seeing anywhere from 15 to 25 people per day to a screeching halt um, two weeks into this thing. Yeah. To where the phone calls were, are you guys going to be open? How are we going to do this going forward? Um, so you're talking about probably taking no exaggeration, 50 calls a day down to 20 calls a day, going from 20 to 25 appointments a day, down to nobody's coming in. Yeah. We're doing it through a mail slot and an email. Yeah. So, yeah. Were we able to continue? Yeah, by the end of April 15th, which is the normal deadline, we were probably 75% done relative to 2019. And then it's not uncommon if, if as they stretched out the, the April 15th deadline to July 15th, you're always going to have a percentage of people who are going to wait to the last minute anyway. Yeah. So I think we're probably 85 to 90% done now. Yeah. So. So I remember um, at home when you guys were processing a lot of paperwork, uh, mostly you have it, I think you filled out. Yeah. Yeah, that, that became my job role, I think. Three weeks in, I became the EIDL person, person to help with the PPP loans. I had to become the expert on that, helping the small businesses adjust to this new normal. So, so can you explain to me in layman's terms, um, the EIDL loan was the first loan that was the government assistance loan. What's his EIDL stand It's the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. And okay. that was basically, you're applying for an SBA loan with an advance of up to 10000 that's that's $1,000 per employee. And if you do accept the loan terms and accept that SBA loan, then you have to pay back basically that loan advance. But if you don't accept those terms, then basically that up to $10,000 becomes a grant. Okay. And that is open again for new applicants that have not. And when did that reopen? Uh, the 15th of June. And how long are they keeping that open then? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, if you look at the app, it's sometime in October. Okay. But so I'm sure, I mean, they're, they're going to adjust it to the availability of funds, so. Yeah. So then the PPP loan, the Payroll Protection Program. Right? Yeah, I think, I think to clarify what Eve was just saying, the EIDL started out, first of all, as a grant, $10,000. You were applying for up to $10,000 in grant money, but it truly was a loan application. What he's talking about as far as paying it back, the grant, that is if you accepted the PPP loan. Yeah. Okay. So not to confuse the two. If you were only EIDL, 
That's a grant for up to 10 employees, a thousand dollars a person, and then a loan offer after that. Okay. You don't have to pay back the up to 10,000 if you did not accept the PPP loan. That's okay. the difference. So if you took both, then that up to 10,000 has to be repaid back. Just they're gonna take it out of the PPP. That's the simple as it gets. Okay. So, so yeah, just to, to clarify that. And there, that, that, that brings to another point. No one, including our federal government, and SBA stands for Small Business uh, Association, um, that no one, including our federal government, knew exactly what was going to happen. Congress passed a $2.2 trillion uh, stimulus package uh, virtually within a week, which is unprecedented. And then they started disseminating this money, or at least they were talking about it. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And my contact with the SBA made a great comment. He said, Mike, we're building the airplane while it's in the air. Because it seemed like Eve had to redo the applications four times. Because every time we finish one, um, and we were trying to get ahead of the curve, not only for ourselves, but also most importantly our clients, that the, the bank hadn't done their uh, due diligence on their, their forms. So it just con it was a moving uh, Basically, the, the goalpost was being moved all the time. But Evie did a fantastic job of staying on top of it. And truly, I felt like we were able to give up to the minute good quality information to our clients. As good as you can. It changed, but not because we changed it. Yeah. But, yeah. A lot of it did have to do with the bank lenders, too, depending on your bank. Because I know my dad, he worked with a larger bank. They had. 50,000 applications in the queue, and if you didn't apply during those two days when it became available, you weren't getting approved. Yeah. So, Just like the um, unemployment. They had 100,000 applications just here in Indiana, and then they were just trying to hire those people applying for unemployment so that they could process more applications. They didn't have enough manpower. They barely had enough before. Right. Went from their biggest month of 6,000 people applying to 100,000 Indiana residents applying for unemployment. People are like, why should, why don't I get my money right away? And Susanna can't process that many applications that fast. Right, and, and there's no question. When you have that much stimulus money coming out, yeah, fraud is going to happen. And so, I kudos to our government that they were able to do this as quickly as they did, mitigate blatant, uh, I'll say, theft and fraud while at the same time getting money out to the people that needed it the most. They don't get enough credit for that. Um, and, and that's not a partisan thing. It's just if you look at how quickly money was available, it's, it's unprecedented. And for the audience here, if you have not applied for the PPP loan, um, if you heard that it was out of money, it has been refunded and there's money available. So if you have any questions, you make sure and, and give us a call. So. So when it comes to the PPP loan and the EIDL, now that both of them have funding again, is there a recommended, like you pick one or the other, you pick both, if you're looking at a business? I mean, to me... Well, remember what PPP stands for, Payroll Protection Program. That is not operating capital. It is specifically to make payroll, pay rent, and utilities. That's what that's for. The uh, other loan, the EIDL, it has a much broader use for operating capital. 
Um, and so the, the terms on the EIDL are 30-year loans at 3.75%. No penalties, no prepayment penalties, none of that. So you can truly operate your business on that. Okay. So um, it, it's very attractive, especially if people are concerned about a second wave. Yeah. Not knowing if there's going to be extra resources available. As you know, as many kudos as I just gave our federal government, let me take one away from them. And that is, they're like pigs at a trough when it comes to spending tax dollars. The long and the short of it is, going back to the IDL, we don't know if there's going to be a second wave because we don't have a vaccine today. So let's just assume for a moment, I think you're right to, to assume that there is going to be a second wave. Absolutely. And until a vaccine is found, you better get your war chest full, be sitting on capital, so the first rule of business can, can apply to you. And the first rule of business is stay in business. Absolutely. Worry about making money later. If you're not in business, it doesn't matter. As an individual, um, I think, not speaking as a business, if you're talking about just somebody that's been working from home or been laid off for the last three months, are you expecting that federal unemployment to push into that second wave? You well, I, I think necessity will will probably determine that. Um, I saw the, the unemployment numbers this morning. They were expecting 1.3 million people to apply for unemployment, and they had 1.5 million. But I think a lot of those numbers, uh, quite honestly, are, are so gray. They're not black and white. Gray meaning um, you're now seeing corporations start to pare back because of what I just said, their war chest, they have to keep as much cash as they can. Yeah. And they've also figured out that during this COVID that maybe we can, we can our business has, has gone down so much that we don't need to have as many headcount as we used to, at least in the short run. Yeah. So we're going to see this wave. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to go up and go down. But just a simple observation, people are spending money. I mean, when you looked at uh, the durable goods sales or orders, those also came out. Uh, they were expecting a 5% increase. It was a 15% increase. So when you think about those numbers, that means people are buying stuff. Yeah. Now, who's filling those orders? How quickly those orders are being filled? All of that, uh, I think, is getting back online. How the safety in the workplace is now applying. But, yeah, we'll see. I think... We're going to have a great summer. This fall will be the true test, as with most viruses. That, and I'm not a medical person or a scientist, but from what we understand, the summer months using and applying flu tend to go down, but yeah. then start to spike back up. And we're seeing numbers spike now, uh, or, or start to increase. But logically, if you're testing more people, yeah. you're going to have more positive cases. Yeah, and I, I would agree firsthand. Um, being able to watch how much easier testing has become since March versus now, just between if you have to have an outpatient or an inpatient procedure, they're swabbing you on your way in the door, which was something they were unable to do, you know, at, at the beginning. So I do think that that's making a big difference, and people are out and about. Things are opening back up. So realistically, to not have that expectation would be unreasonable. Right. Right. Um, I'm going to have Eve, if you don't mind, Sean, yeah. talk a little bit about the new easements on the forgiveness 
Perfect. So um, the the next question. So. Well, and, the, and because that just passed, what, a week ago? So that this was yesterday, the PPP loan. Okay. Yeah. So prior to yesterday, you had an eight-week period to pay, uh, or I guess to have accountability for uh, your uh, use of the PPP loan. And now, instead of the eight weeks, it's 24 weeks. That's the new extension. Okay. And then also, it was 70% for uh, use of what is it, rents, utilities, and all that, and now that's down to 60. 60% needs to be used for paychecks um, for that to be forgiven. Okay. Yeah. And, and the funniest part about that, I love our government, and I'm saying that with a little tongue-in-cheek here, is we're already, we're past our eight weeks, so we've already paid out the PPP loan knowing that the deadline was eight weeks, so this is almost a moot point, or yeah. we'd say this is masturbation. Mm -hmm. Because it really doesn't apply to 90% of the people who got their PPP loans because they've already gone through the money. Yeah. But that's our government. <laughs> so I think we've kind of crossed off this one. Um, I asked you, at least on paper, to kind of dumb down the stimulus package. I know people now that we've kind of already walked through all these different programs between the EIDL, the PPP, and the federal unemployment. Um, but there's still billions of dollars within that that aren't within those three sectors from the stimulus package. The stimulus package originally was $2.2 trillion. I would say the average individual just got $1,200 in your checking account, never thought much more about it. Plus, the six, if you're not on unemployment, you have that $600 deposit, and that's coming to an end here in July. July. July so. and, and that's, you, you, you look at your unemployment rate, um, that $600, when it first came out, Evie and I looked at each other and said, well, hell, what's the, what's the incentive for the average person to go back to work? Absolutely. Because if you're making a grand a week during the summer months, I'll take that freaking check out all week long. I mean, and so I think Congress, and it was an unintended cons consequence, and, and, you know, God love them, they disincentivized an awful lot of labor from going back to work. Yes, I would, I would agree. Um, so that being said, I don't have any more questions other than the financial damage of COVID. It seems like there's been a market turnaround even just since the fear from March where it dropped 10,000 points on the Dow. You're back at, what, 28,000 today? I don't know what the market looks like. Yeah, but uh, here's, what, here's what we're going to see in the market. Um, First of all, everybody talks about V-shaped recoveries, so you've got a sharp fall with a sharp increase. We've seen that, not in a broad spectrum of the market, but in a very um, specific sector. Tech. Tech is the best one. Biotechnology is another one. Uh, there's a lot of speculation on who's going to get the virus uh, vaccine first. Yeah. And that's why you'll see a lot of speculation in the market. We also saw uh, a lot of shorts, short meaning they shorted airlines, they shorted any of the travel industry, hotels and so forth, uh, cruise lines as, as uh, an example. And when you see shorts like that going so hard and they made money on the way down, the only way you cover that short is you gotta buy back into the market. So we saw airlines and cruise lines and hotels get a real bump in the last three weeks uh, but the reality of that is starting to set in, that 
using United Airlines as an example, their burn rate of cash is $40 million a day. And 90% of their planes aren't in the air hauling anybody. So the reality is that second quarter earnings are going to be abysmal. They're going to be horrific for some industries. Yeah. Now, having said that, this is also, you're going to start to see the market narrow, and you're going to start to see consolidation into really great companies that were the benefactors of COVID and were not affected by COVID. Well, that all being said, uh, tax deadline is 7.15, so we are running and gunning at the end of the season. Um, if you need an appointment, call Eve, don't call me. Um, EIDL loans are open until October, it sounds like. Um, just the app, as, as of now. Which as, of, as of now, until the next thing comes up. Yep. Um, guys, I appreciate you sitting down and drinking some coffee with me this morning and talking to some folks. Thank you. Yeah, if I also also say this about Eve, yeah. Eve is bilingual. So if you're listening to this podcast and uh, you need some assistance in that, he speaks fluent Spanish. Feel free to give us a call. He had um, several Hispanic clients that uh, didn't understand EIDL or PPP, but they're self-employed, and so we were able to reach out to them and communicate in an effective way. Absolutely. Amen. Okay. That's all we have to say. Thanks, guys.